Hi, friends. It's Dale. For the next several episodes of the Talking 306 podcast, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to be featuring other Saskatchewan podcasters. We'll be chatting with my guests about their lives and careers and their journey to where they are now, uh, as I usually do. But we're also going to be talking about the podcast that they created and host, where the podcasting industry in Saskatchewan is currently, and how we can grow podcasting even further here in the province. I hope you enjoy listening to the upcoming conversations with Saskatchewan podcasters. Thanks. The Talking 306 podcast is a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, which is supported this month by Sask Energy. Talked about this on previous episodes. Sask Energy wants you to be aware of carbon monoxide poisoning. Protect your home from carbon monoxide poisoning. Install an alarm today. If you're able to, you should install carbon monoxide alarms on every floor of your home and check your vents and chimney regularly for debris. Here's an important thing. Never idle a vehicle in a closed garage, especially in the wintertime when it's cold out and we're leaving for work in the morning or we're, or we're going out somewhere and we want to start the car and warm it up, that's fine, but make sure the garage door is open. Idling a vehicle in a garage c- can cause carbon monoxide buildup, and uh, that's it's a very dangerous situation if you go in there. Flu-like symptoms, headaches, and dizziness are all signs of carbon monoxide poisoning. If you think your home has carbon monoxide, leave your home immediately and call 911 or your local fire department. Visit saskenergy.com for more information on carbon monoxide. That's saskenergy.com to learn more about carbon monoxide. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also supported this month by the Saskatchewan Ministry of Highways, and they want you to be aware of snow zones. Because we're right in the middle of of winter, even though there hasn't been that much snow, snow plows pull over every 10 to 15 kilometers for you to pass safely. Please treat snowplows the same as you would any other emergency vehicle. If a plow is pulled over and has lights flashing, slow down to 60 kilometers per hour and pass with caution. It's not a race. Give some space. Pass snowplows safely. Check the Saskatchewan Highway Hotline before traveling. Visit saskatchewan.ca slash snowzone for more information. Take your time when you're on the roads this winter. Be patient and safe. Finally, the Talking 306 podcast is sponsored by Path Cowork. My friends at Path, I love going there so much. Um, you know, even as the pandemic continues, Path continues to operate. There's, um, there's a lot of people there, but everybody's following the social distancing rules. Everybody's wearing masks. It's extremely safe. They've been taking, uh, you know, uh, precautions very seriously at Path Cowork. Path Cowork is the best place to work, uh, in, in my opinion, in the province. And it is, of course, the best co-working space in, in the entire province as well. Visit pathcowork.ca for membership rates and information about co-working. Uh, not only do you get a desk space as a member, but you get a bunch of extra perks as well. There's free coffee. There's free beer. Uh, when it's not a pandemic, they have really good networking events and happy hour get-togethers. And the people there are great. The reason why I go to Path Cowork is because of the people. 
and they run uh, a very good operation. And there's a ton of other entrepreneurs and businesses and organizations that work at Path Cowork in Regina as well. Again, please visit pathcowork.ca for membership rates and more information about Path Cowork. Welcome to the Talking 306 Podcast, part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm the host, Dale Richardson. On this episode of the podcast, my guest is Eric Anderson. Eric Anderson is the host of YXE Underground Podcast, an original Saskatoon podcast that profiles people doing great things in Saskatoon, but are flying under the radar. We got together over Zoom last week to discuss his life and career, including growing up in Swift Current, the challenges he encountered working as a teacher in small town Saskatchewan, making the jump to journalism and working at CBC Saskatchewan and CBC Saskatoon, his decision to move away from journalism and his now day job at Sherbrooke Community Centre in Saskatoon, why he decided to start the YXE Underground Podcast, how we can grow podcasting in Saskatchewan, and much more. My name is Dale Richardson, and I'm the host of the Talking 306 Podcast, and this is my conversation with Eric Anderson. You know, one thing I was going to ask you, I was I was thinking about this. Well, we'll talk about when we did the first round of, of this podcast yeah. in, in a minute, but uh, I want to talk about your glasses. What's the rotation on the eyeglasses? Because you had the bright, the bright orange ones. Is it every yeah. two years you get a new, a new set or what's the, what's the rotation? Well, I, yeah. So the, the day I got the orange glasses, I actually bought two pairs that day. I don't have them. They're in my, they're in my uh, bedroom, but I bought another pair that same day. And then a couple years later, um, I bought these and then I bought a thick, a pair of thick, big black ones, but yeah. I've been wearing these lots because, um, they, they work best with a mask and the orange ones. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, the, the mask just doesn't fit right. Same with the black ones. And so I've been, I've been rocking these ones as of late. So right now it's, it's purely for to deal with wearing a mask. Cause whenever I leave my office at Sherbrooke, I have to, yep. you have to wear a mask. Yeah. So these, so what you're saying basically is that with these glasses, they don't fog up when you wear a mask. Is it yeah. 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 So there's a really like uh there's a tight seal, like the mask kind of fits perfectly underneath, like it, right in the right spot. Things I'd never think what about a crazy talking about. world. I know Man. it's totally crazy. Yeah. Whereas with the orange ones, the mask goes like halfway up the lens. And then when I go to my office, I can take my mask off and then I've got this like huge, like line underneath. Yeah. So it's like I'm wearing foggy bifocals. I don't, I don't wear glasses, but with, with sunglasses, it, it, uh, because you know, as much as I can when I'm outside, I wear sunglasses unless it's just not not sunny at all, and it uh, it's a it's pretty annoying. So somebody yeah. that you know wears glasses every moment, it must be a nightmare. Yeah, but yeah. I'm glad it's, you figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> it, it took a, it took a while because I I I don't I haven't worn these a lot since I bought them a couple of years ago, and then the orange ones weren't working, the black ones weren't working, worth a shit, and then yeah. I and then I was like. I'll try these ones and it would yeah it was third times a charm yeah right so why don't we start by uh pulling the curtain back a little bit on 
on on you and I. So for the people listening, th- this is the second time that you and I will be making this attempt. And I and I I just want to talk a little bit about the first experience because as as I'm talking to it to a fellow podcaster, and uh, and I'll be talking to to more in the in the next few weeks here. Um, so you and I got together. This was December, like over a year ago now, December 2019, I guess that was. It was right before Christmas, I think. Yeah. And I and yeah. I was in Saskatoon, and I came to Sherbrooke where where you work, mm-hmm. and we chatted for I think an hour, maybe a little bit longer. We had a great chat. Had a great chat. But before we started, I'm not sure if you recall this. um, And it's it's a nightmare, I think, for any person that has to deal with tech things, you know, or podcasting, whatever. I opened my computer and the software that I used that I used to record with, um, it wasn't compatible with the new update on my computer. And I'm not sure if you remember this, but I, I said, I can't use the software that I usually use. So I had to right. use something different and I had never really used it. And I, I thought I got the mic set up and it turned out, of course, that it picked up my mic and not yours. That's okay. It, the the no. host mic is all that counts, Dale. So really it's all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Story of my life, just me talking and <laughs> nobody else to talk, to talk back. So unfortunately, yeah, we, we had a great chat and um, it, it, I got home and, and when I opened up the file, I went, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> your voice wasn't there. And, and, and some, sometimes you, you can salvage, you know, audio by a lot of work and I, and I just couldn't. So um, anyway, we're giving this the second it's- round. It's all good. And and so much has changed since we we yeah. last spoke, whether like it's in in the in the big picture and and where I work at Sherbert. But um I, I I do remember like that's happened to me a few times, Dale, in terms of I've I've gone out um when I worked with CBC radio. I, I remember one time specifically I went to interview um a really um a fantastic singer-songwriter here in Saskatoon named uh, Steph Cameron. Mm-hmm. And I went to interview her. And it sounded great in my headphones. And then um, I, I transferred it onto the computer. And, and for whatever reason, it, it I, yeah, whether I, I think I ended up erasing it accidentally, but I, I just couldn't find the file. And so I had to go to her again and, and say, you know, this is totally my fault. Um, can I buy you a beer? And can we do the, can we do the interview again? Yeah. But I actually think that the second time was better chatting mm-hmm. with her. I think, yeah. So it was, yeah, things just, Things just work out. Yeah. Well, but the technology you know, is, is tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. Um, and you know, I was, I, I forget who I was talking to about this, but I was thinking about when we, when, when we, when we got together to do that and the, and the tech problems that I had with that. And then I got to thinking, you know, cause I think for, for every episode up to that point that I'd done, because it was pre pandemic, of course, I'd always, done my very best to go talk in person to to my guest and unless it was in a place like here in Regina at the at the co-working space that I work at um uh like if I was going to meet somebody like you at Sherbrooke or somewhere you know wherever at a meeting place 
I would always be a little uh, flustered getting set up because I would have to set, you know, my equipment up and at the same time talk to you because otherwise you're just going to be standing there like an idiot. And I don't want to be a dick and say, just sit there and be quiet for a while. Let me get my stuff set up. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I think there were a couple of times where I've like had some tech problems. Um, so do, doing the remote thing has, you know, turned out very well. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I I feel fortunate. I actually have my uh, as I reach to grab it here. This is this is my Marantz. So this is what I yeah. bring um, to all my because I, I do the interviews on site. So th this yeah. is it. This is it's like a it it looks like a tricorder, which which is what you know Commander Spock and and Doctor McCoy used when they would beam down to planets in the '60s, and then they would scan and tell them, oh, there's lots of nitrogen in the atmosphere. We can't stay here too long or there's <laughs> clinons over the horizon. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with the, with the technical stuff because I, I've, you know, again, back to CBC days, if, if you're, we would do live shows when I worked on the morning show, uh, morning edition. And, right. and when, when, there's, when there's a little bit of your brain worried about the technical side, it's really hard to to focus on an interview or focus on producing a good job if if you're not 100% confident that the tech side is is going to work and we were so lucky at CBC to have amazing technicians like uh, Chris Haynes and Luke Lemoyne and mm -hmm. and and people like that um, who who just would do a wonderful job so that um, as as journalists you you felt like you could just focus on doing the interview focus on you know producing the show that way so. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's funny during the, the, the COVID times, um, you know, cause I, I do all the interviews in, in person for my, for my podcast, but it's been, um, you know, just finding, finding the, the, the proper space. Like I, I would always, I would always go to where the person was, but, um, say for example, like, um, in November, I interviewed two research technicians at Vito Intervac, mm -hmm. um, well, we're, we're not going to the lab <laughs> where yeah, they're right. where they're working, um, and so we just did it in the in the lobby area of the uh, of the of the building at, at Vito Intervac, and you know wore masks and and like if you're going to maintain distance social distance anywhere in the world, it's at Vito Intervac. So you know yeah. we have the proper space, but um, yeah, I, I I still want to do it in person um, just because for my for the audio reasons, and I think I. I feel confident that I can do it safely, but um, yeah, like my, my, my heart goes out to you because it's, it's hard when you, like you said, you're setting up all your gear and then you want to be in the moment with the person and ask, you know, good questions and be an active listener. Yeah. But if there's a part of you that's wondering, oh shoot, you know, is this actually recording or how is this going to sound? That's yeah, hard. Yeah. 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 No. Anyway. Um, I want to come back to your podcast, so let's not not talk too much about it at the, at the beginning. Um, and obviously, I want to talk to you about your your day job that you do, because obviously the world has changed completely, and you're in the thick of it um, at at Sherbrooke. So, but anyway, like we did the first time around, why don't we just just talk a little bit about about your life and uh, and how you got to to where you are? Um, so you're from Swift Current, Speedy Creek. The south, yeah. south side, south side of Swift Current. Yeah, I don't, I don't, that means nothing to me, but uh, <laughs> so 
Is it Swift Current or Swift Current? Uh, it's, it's, it's Swift Current. Um, it's, I think more the first one you said than the second yeah. one. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think so. It was a one, it was a wonderful place to grow up, Dale. Um, yeah. We, uh, my family uh, moved there when I was five years old. My sister was, she would have been two. Uh, we moved from Saskatoon to Swift Current. My dad took a job with the Southwest Abilities Council, um, Saskatchewan Abilities Council. And, um, and my mom was a nurse, um, an RN in a couple of different long-term care homes. Um, Prairie Pioneers Lodge was where she spent most of her time. And, and yeah, we lived on Conlon Drive, which was just um, the schoolyard. There was a schoolyard behind our, our backyard and then Fairview School was there, Fairview Arena was there. Um, it, yeah, it was a wonderful place to grow up, um, you know, 16,000 people. So not too, not too big, not too small. Um, and yeah, uh, my, yeah, we, it was, it was a great place to grow up. Um, but by the time I graduated um, high school, I was, I was ready to go. Um, and mo most, most people or most graduates at the time, there was one high school. So we had about 250 graduates. It was a big high school. Yeah. All the surrounding towns would, would funnel their way into, into uh, Swift Current. And most graduates would, if they were go to go on to university, went to the U of S or U of R. And I, I just didn't want to, I just wanted to go someplace different and sort of, you know, just to, just to do something different. Um, and so I went to the University of Calgary and went and got a history degree there. Mm. Um, I, I had a couple of, of aunts and uncles that lived in Calgary. I gone to, uh, you know, University of Calgary sports camps when I was a kid and, and I liked Calgary a lot. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really great city to go to university because you know, for the first time in my life, I was really exposed to lots of live music. And I, I, I love music a lot. And, and at that time in Swift Current, like the arts and culture scene was was pretty small compared to what it is now. And, and I, I get a lot of pride when I look at Swift Current now and see all the all the arts and culture and how diverse the, the city has become um, since since we left there. My, my mom and dad live in Winnipeg now. and My sister's in Toronto, right. but I still have right. friends in, in Swift Current. But um, yeah, at the time, like growing up, you know, the only time we would really get live concerts would be during the frontier days um, at the end of June and, and you'd get a country band or two. My first concert was Michelle Wright uh, at frontier days. Uh, so that was exciting. She was a babe back in the day. I don't know who uh, it is. She was a, she was a Canadian country singer. Okay. And, uh, yeah. But like, you know, if, if um, there, there was no, there was no Coulter wall playing open mics yeah. in, in, right. in, when I was, when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, so that, it was exciting to go to Calgary to do that. Um, and then I graduated with a Canadian history degree and it's like, what the heck do you do with that? Um, and I really loved University Dale. So I, I, um, I, I finished my degree in the Czech Republic in Prague. And then oh, really? I, I found okay. out what, yeah, yeah. I lived there for about six months. And then I found oh, no, out while I was- An exchange, yeah. obviously. Yeah, the University of yeah. Calgary had a partnership uh, with an economics university in, in Prague. So I, I took four classes um, drank some incredible Czech beer yeah. and just had the time of my life when I was 21, 22, and then, um, came back. Uh, and by that point, mom and dad had moved to Saskatoon. And so I got into education at the U of S and did that for two years. And then, uh, uh, became a, a high school, uh, English teacher. And I got a job right away 
uh, moved down to Frontier, Saskatchewan, which is oh, that's right, way, yeah, 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 way, way in the southwest corner of the province. So it's about an hour and three quarters southwest of Swift Current. So it's it's pretty much right on the border, and did that for a couple of years and and had amazing kids and met some wonderful people. But after two years, quickly realized that teaching was not for me, and so again went back to university and was lucky enough to get into journalism school. How come? How come teaching wasn't for you? I think I think we talked about this the first time around, but I still find this interesting. Yeah. yeah um, Was it frontier the, or just the teaching aspect of it? Yeah. You know, it, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, but I, when I look back on it now, Dale, I I realized that I just wasn't I wasn't ready to be. I wasn't ready to be a, a teacher and especially a teacher in a small town. Mm-hmm. I was naive to the fact that just how bright the spotlight is on you when you're living in a town of, of 350 people. Right. Um, for example, I was, so I was a coach of the, the girls volleyball team mm-hmm. when I went down there and like third weekend of September, uh, we hosted a tournament, we won the tournament and I went out uh, with a couple teachers that night and my car had a sleepover on main street in front of the bar um, and then the, uh, the next morning I walked to my car and, and, and picked it up and, and drove like the 30 seconds home. What I failed to realize though, is that, um, there are two big churches right on main street in frontier and, and there aren't too many, there weren't too many Volkswagen GTIs in no. <laughs> frontier. So everybody saw Mr. Anderson's car parked in front, you know, of the bar. So when I came to school on Monday, everyone was like, Oh, Mr. A, you, had quite a time on Saturday night. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? And everybody knew that Mr. A got drunk at the bar on Saturday night. So I, I struggled with that spotlight. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggled with the amount of work that goes into teaching. I did my teaching internship in in Ireland in a town called Carrigaline, which is just South of Cork. And it was a wonderful experience, but it, I, I didn't have, I think it, it didn't prepare me for the workload that comes with being a first year teacher. And, and I was, right. you know, teaching four classes and coaching volleyball and coaching curling and doing all the things. Wow. And it was, it was just really overwhelming. So the, the first year was really hard. And when I went back the second year, um, the, the students, students were awesome, but I, I just felt at that point I was 25, 26. I, and I was just a bit flustered living. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't have any friends of my own and I, I struggled with that a bit. And I think another part that I struggled with too um, was I, I thought I knew a lot more than I did, Dale. And I wasn't open to um, constructive criticism. I wasn't open to advice. Um, from from your, yeah. like from your vice principal and principal at the school or? Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I had, um, it was, it was, um, you know, the, it was a, a K to 12 school, but 137 kids, I think it was. And the, the, the staff had been, most of the staff had been there for a long, long time. And so they, they understood sort of the rhythms of, of teaching in a small town. And I, I was, I was, um, I had a mentor there. Her name was Gail Balfour. And we were, we were sort of like, you know, sort of put together at the start, um, of my time there. And, and looking back on it now, um, Mrs. Balfour, I'll still call her Mrs. Balfour. She had, she had so much wisdom to share with me. And I just, I, I thought I knew, I was like, no, you like, you know, you, you've been teaching for a long time. I'm just out of university. 
I know what I'm doing and I'm going to do it my way. Right. Um, especially about how to sort of hold yourself, um, within, within a small town and, uh, and how I, I always remember saying how, you know, when you're in a small town, you're, you're always going to be Mr. Anderson. You're always going to be a teacher. And I, I didn't, I really struggled with that because it took there's, me a long time. Yeah. There's more to you than just, you know, writing things on a whiteboard in front of. Yeah. And, and it took kids. me a yeah. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with, with being cool with, with who I was like being Eric, um, right. you know, it, it takes a while to sort of discover yourself a bit. And, and I was, I, I liked being Eric and I had a hard time being Mr. Anderson and, um, and I should have, I should have listened to her more. And so I remember at Christmas time, my second year, I had a meeting with my superintendent in Swift Current, and he said, you know, we can look for, you know, a, a posting, you know, we can get you a job perhaps in Swift Current if you want to do that. And I, I, my heart just wasn't in the teaching. So I, I, I applied to journalism school on a whim. Um, but I, um, U of R was gracious enough to accept me. And so I, I, I was excited to go back to university. And, um, but I, I look, I look back on my time now at Frontier and it was, it, it it was really important for me because I, I learned about uh, myself. I learned a lot about how to, you know, how, how to conduct yourself around all different types of people. And, and I had amazing, amazing students. They were just awesome. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the grade 12, uh, I, I taught a class the grade 10 class. And then the next year I taught them in grade 11, they're graduating year in grade 12. They invited me back to, to give the commencement speech, which was really nice of them. And, and they were an exceptional class. And, and I, I'm very fortunate to be in touch with, with some of those kids still today. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. You, so it's nice. Do you think if you had taught in Regina or, or Saskatoon that your experience would have been different? Like, was it like, were the challenges more cultural, I guess, cause it was a small town and cause like, I'm think you know, I, I, sometimes I feel like I shouldn't think about my time in high school as much as I do, but I, but I, I, and it, it's not like I'm, Oh, I, you know, the good old days, but, but I think back to my days in high school, cause they're, they're not that long ago, I don't think. And um, the teachers that I bonded with were people that I felt like I knew them as people, not as a, as a teacher, right? Like I remember our grade 10, uh, I think he taught English, grade 10 English. He, the first day of class, he said, you guys can call me Dan. Um, I'm, I'm a person just like you are. Don't abuse it though. Don't, you know, go, you know, Dan, 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 Dan. Otherwise yeah. we're going to go back to Mr. Fromowitz. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. but because it was like a trust thing, I guess. Yeah. He, he was able to say to us, uh, and you know, now that I think about it, our, our grade eight teacher, um, it kind of did the same thing. Yeah. It, you know, they, it, those teachers spoke to us more as people, as opposed to, you know, to these uh, teacher authority figures. Is that, yeah. that kind of what was going on or? Yeah, it was, you know, what, what I felt, I felt like I was a pretty decent, um, classroom teacher. Um, I, I definitely wasn't an authority figure. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do, like, I, I still remember when I went down for the job interview, um, I ran into a student who I would teach in grade 11 the next year. And he thought I was a new student. Oh yeah. I mean, coming to, I, I was, especially like there were some big, strong, tall farm kids there. And I, you know, I'm a five, seven, 
redhead. <laughs> like I, I'm not, I'm not a physically imposing figure, but I, I didn't try to be either. I, and I wasn't an authoritarian teacher at all. I, I couldn't be, it's just not who I am. Yeah. Um, so I, I did, I do think I, I did a decent job of, of, of connecting with the students and I just tried to teach as best as I could. Um, you asked a question about whether it would have been different in Saskatoon or Regina. I think it would have been Dale because I think I would have had maybe a little bit more balance between personal and mm -hmm. professional life. And I, and I did not, I didn't have any of that at all. Like there were several nights where, you know, I would sleep at the school because, you know, you're, you're what? prepping for the next day or you're, you're doing lots of marking and it's like, well, I could walk home, but I just got to be back here in five hours. So I'm just going to, and then I fall asleep at the school and wake up and it's six 30. And so you go back to, um, you know, I, I had a, had a three-story, three-bedroom duplex uh, that came with a driveway and a basketball hoop, and I paid $350 a month oh for rent. So, like, I paid off all my student debt in a year, right. um, and yeah, so I, so, so I think it would have been a bit different, um, but I, I don't regret going, I don't regret going down there at all, because I met some amazing people, and it was, it was, it was a great, it was a great experience in so many ways um and that and that part of the province is a really beautiful part of the province too like um you know you're close to cypress hills frenchman river valley is really close um you know you you uh you you go right across the border and and next thing you know you're in turner montana and you drive a little bit farther and you're in haver and you buy your cds at the at the kmart and in, in haver montana so it was it was a good experience in so many ways um but you know i was I was still so young then too. Like I, yeah. I was 25 and I wasn't ready to, to settle down in, in small town Saskatchewan. And so um, I think, I think I was just sort of itching to get back to maybe a bigger setting and, yeah. and, um, and yeah, and I, I loved university a lot. And so I, when I came back to university at, at the U of R, it was, um, it was a great two years at journalism school. Yeah, you know the thing about 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 young teachers, and I and I brought this up with uh, Lisa Tomitis on, on on this that last episode I did was, which was you know, a really great interview by the way, Dale. Thank she's, you. She's amazing. Yeah. No, I I I love talking to her. She was my you know my mom said to me you seem just really comfortable with her and I said I I was it was she but she made it that way so mm -hmm. that that was very nice. Um, yeah, like my intern teacher in grade eight turns out he was 21 when he was teaching us like i learned that a couple of years ago and that just blew my mind and that was that was uh, tyler rittinger who who you spoke to for your podcast oh really tyler was your intern yeah he's yes. he's one of he's he's become one of my favorite people he's just an incredible guy um and is has done amazing things with the eco quest program here in in saskatoon which is like the yeah full-time outdoor classroom and another guy from Swift Current. Right. And he's got yep. the, he's got the, he has the Viking teeth. Yes. We, he talked, about, we talked about this last time. He has a, he has an extra set of lowered teeth. That's right. Yeah, he does. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. Maybe it's something to do with the, with the, the water in Swift Current. Yeah, that could be. From the luscious Swift Current Creek. Yeah. Okay. So you go to J school at the at the U of R and um did you want to like did you want to do radio tv news newspaper what was the deal there I, yeah I I wanted to do I wanted to do radio um I yeah I I was never I was never comfortable with any 
any of the TV stuff, whether it was, um, you know, behind the camera, the editing, or especially in front of the camera. But you, um, you just talked about how, how physically imposing you are, you know, so. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> who, who doesn't love a five, seven redhead and standing in front of the ledge being like, here's what happened. Yeah. In the, in the rotunda today, budget day. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was radio and print. And then, um, I've, I've always, I've always listened to radio. Um, and, uh, and I've always been a, a a huge CBC fan, a CBC listener. CBC has just been a a part of, of like my cultural news, like everyday life since I was, since I can remember my, my grandma Anderson, who lived in Chaplin, Saskatchewan, um, Mm -hmm. always had, um, always had CBC radio on, um, the, the theme for Morningside sounded so good coming out of her old, old radio. And, um, and yeah, so I, 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 and I still believe in, in the importance of a, of a public broadcaster. And so I was really excited to, to learn about radio. Um, and then I was lucky enough to get an internship with CBC in the summer of, of 2009. And then, um, it went very, very well. And I was surrounded by amazing people like Sheila Coles and Kareen Larson and right. Abby Schneider. And I know you've had Stephanie Langenegger on the show and yep. yeah, Paul Dornstadter, like the list goes on and on. Nicole Huck, um, Adam Hunter, who you've had on the show too. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam gives the best hugs, by the way. If you've never hugged Adam, give Adam a hug. I, I have. And if I, yeah. and if I do, I it you, might be a while now. though, but um, yeah. I yeah, love, I love, I love that guy. I like talking about basketball, basically mm-hmm. everything. I haven't yeah. talked to him in a while. Yeah. He's a really wonderful guy. So it was, um, you know, uh, two great years at, at journalism school and then to go into an environment like CBC where, you know, there was such an emphasis on, on radio. Um, and I know there's in, in recent years, there's obviously more of a push on the, on the digital side of yeah. things. And, and I understand that, but um, yeah, it was a, it was an incredible place to learn about, you know, what makes good radio, the joy that comes with radio, the importance of, of radio and just how intimate um, uh, a medium it is. So, yeah, so it was, it was, I was very lucky because I know um, I gra- I graduated in, in 2010 and, um, and that, at that time, like it was hard to find a journalism job. And so I felt very fortunate that I was a, a casual Why? reporter at CBC. That was right when um, me, um, so like, the, the economic crash of like 08 yeah. and then newsrooms all over the place were just were just cutting jobs everywhere and so it was hard to it was hard for a a, a graduate to get in and so um it, it was it, i felt very lucky dale to have to have, you know to be a, a casual and and you know as a casual at cbc you do you literally do everything um and you work all hours and all all different types of shows and stuff but you know i was fresh out of j school and and i was like yeah let's do it so yeah it was it was lots of fun so were you were you on mic like doing news or or working in the newsroom and then yeah it's it's sort of evolved um i um i did some news like some news reporting but i really like the current affairs yeah um side of of radio i love the the longer form of of storytelling i i i you know I, I like hard news, but I really prefer the, the human interest stories and, and, you know, the six, eight, 10 minute interviews or, or producing um, radio, like whether it be like a, a soundscape where you go out into the field and you gather sound and you gather voices, 
and you go back to the newsroom, you put it all together and, and it's three and a half minutes of, of radio that takes a listener to a place. I really like that. And I was really lucky to, there was a really like great group of, of associate producers and producers um, who, who felt the same way and had so much experience. So they really took me under their, under their wing. And so that was, that was really nice. Um, you know, it's, and then, you know, so, yeah, sorry to jump in, Eric. I, I, I can, um, I'm just thinking that your, I, I hear lots of what you're saying now about the work that you did then, like the soundscape stuff, like going out to, like in the field very, you know, it's, it's obviously still something that you do with your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Very, Cause very I remember, much so. cause I remember Stephanie Langenager when, when I talked to her for this podcast, she told me a story about maybe when she had just started at CBC or maybe it was a bit later, she went out with, with a bird watcher and, but they got great audio because it included like snow crunching under their feet and the birds chirping obviously. And um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you know what? And, and I think Stephanie says something in that interview with you when she, she talks about how um, when she would go out, like, you know, she, I don't think she was allowed to have her voice or in, in the piece, or at least it wasn't expected. And I, it was the same way for me, like, at right. no point, like, you know, cause the, the story isn't about me. It's about, you know, the, the bird watcher in this case. Um, and so why would I have my voice in it? And, and maybe, you know, and, you know, sometimes you do have to have your, your voice in it if, you know, just to make, you know, sense of it, perhaps a question or whatever, but the goal of it should be to tell a story with, with sound and with, you know, a, a subject's voice. And when, when I hear, it's funny, I, cause I listen to radio, I listen to a lot of radio. Um, and when I hear radio, I hear, I hear how it's changed. I hear so much of a reporter's voice within stories, or I'll hear lots of, and, and I think now, now it's a bit hard because of the pandemic reporters aren't physically able to go out to places but even before mm -hmm. that too I would hear reporters go out and there'd be a lot of like canned music like you know um, music that was you know pre-production and I would just say like oh but you're in such a, a great environment where you could collect natural sound like my producer Kareen Larson would always say when you go to when you go anywhere like just stand to the side and record three and a half to four minutes of just sound and you will look like a fool doing it Dale but like I did it last Saturday for my podcast when I went to um, uh, Old Low Restaurant because I'm interviewing mm -hmm. Scotty Dix, um, who's a chef in the city. And I, I stood in his kitchen for about 20 minutes and I didn't say a word and I just gathered sound of what was happening in the kitchen. And yeah. I had my headphones on and I was so, I was in such a happy place then because it's, it, it sound is just such a wonderful thing. And um, yeah, so it, it was great to learn that because I think sound takes you to a, to a place. Like if I were to do a soundscape on Lisa Tomitis, you better believe I'm going to, yeah. you know, practice and you're going to hear that ball bouncing. You hear the ball, the sneakers, you know, um, you yelling out a drill or, or maybe, you know, yeah. yelling encouraging words or saying, Hey, we got to box out more stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, the, I like that. Yeah. Sneakers squeaking on the hardwood floor, yes. which drives my partner nuts when I'm watching basketball, but <laughs> <laughs> to, to many, it's a beautiful, beautiful sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's there's so much there's so much of a story that you can tell through sound, and uh, and and CBC was a wonderful 
place to learn the importance of that and to learn it because it is an art form not only to gather it but then to to mix it and right. put it all together in a way that makes a lot of sense so um yeah you know, my my cousin galen he he worked in a restaurant and he um the episode i did with dale mckay mm-hmm. i did it at his restaurant in regina here and it was we did it um like it was maybe early afternoon or in the morning, maybe. And in the background, you could hear his team getting ready for the day. So there's like some plates clattering and uh, just kind of background noise. Um, and my cousin said, it, it, it's a great episode because I can hear the bustle without taking away from, you know, from the conversation that we had. That's so, yeah. that's so true. And, and you're so right too, in terms of like, when it comes to, to mixing it, you don't want the sound too loud so that you can't hear your interview like yeah. you said with Dale, but if it, you know, if you have 15 seconds off the top and it takes a listener, okay, I'm at, I'm at Dale's restaurant. And then you hear your conversation. I, I think it just, it takes you to a place. And I remember um, one of my old bosses at uh, CBC, Jill Spellacy, she always said that radio was the most visual of all the mediums. And at first I was like, well, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Of course mm-hmm. it's TV, but she was right. Cause it, in radio, you have to close your eyes and you have to like imagine it based on the sound. So of course you're thinking visually that way. So yeah, it's, it radios, radios awesome. And, and I think more people are, are getting a passion for radio through, through podcasting because you could do so much with a podcast. There's or, no, there are no rules. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yes. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. Cause, Cause the daily, uh, you know, the, the New York times podcast, I remember mm-hmm. them saying one of the reporters said at the beginning of, of one episode that the daily likes hearing car doors slamming, you know, cause it's, cause it's a reporter that's out in the field and they're, you know, traveling around wherever during the election campaign or, or whatnot. And they get to a place and car door opens and car door closes. And that's, oh. you know, excellent sound so oh it's 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 so true uh one, one of my favorite all-time podcasts is is the npr one uh s town i yes. think it's just amazing yeah. and the the use of the use of sound there is just like, like that's on a whole other level and, and i you know i know they would have the you know a lot of time to to assemble everything together but you're still physically going out to the place and gathering the sound and knowing knowing where to hold the microphone and knowing what moments to to capture, but you're so right about the, the car door. Cause it, it, yeah, it takes you right to, um, right to a place. Um, and I, I think the daily is so great for that too, because it, it, yeah. it could easily just be a, here's the news of the day and still be wonderful, but they do incorporate a lot of sound into it, which I think is, yeah, pretty exceptional. Well, it, it, it just, it adds something different, right? It's, it's, um, yeah, I love that podcast so much anyway. So you were you were at CBC for a few years, and then why why did you did you go from CBC to Sherbrooke or no yeah. you, you moved to Saskatoon first? I yeah, guess. yeah, I did. Yeah, so I was I was worked your, at your wife. Uh, yeah, so I worked at uh, CBC in Regina from uh, 2009 till uh, the till January of 2015, mm-hmm. and then I moved. I remember I I. I fell in love with a Saskatoon girl uh, named Jennifer Nairn and uh, I was lucky enough to marry her. And then um, we were in education together years ago and have been friends for a long, long time. And then um, 
the stars sort of aligned. So we did the distance for a year. I was on a filling in uh, maternity leave for for all of 2014 on the morning edition, which was which was an incredible experience to have that as a casual. You know, sometimes you'd work for a week on a show, and then maybe you do two days reporting, and then three days on another show, and then you're hosting the weekend show. Like you're doing lots of things, so it's hard to get into a rhythm a bit. But I had a whole year on the morning edition, which was just awesome. So you get into the swing of things. Um, you, and were then producing? I, you were producing it? Uh, associate on. producing. Yeah. yeah, associate producing. And then uh, studio directing as well. So you're right. you're up at four and then you you show up oh. at five. And uh, and then it's you and, and Sheila Coles and, and Ted mm-hmm. Deller and Chris Haynes. And it's like, I'm surrounded by so many talented people. Just don't mess this up. And uh, and it was lots of fun. Sheila's Sheila's the best. And so it was it was an awesome year. And then you know every weekend I would go to Saskatoon. And then uh, sometimes Jen would come down to Regina. But I I knew right away that you know I was going to move up to Saskatoon at some point. So I moved in with Jen. And it was funny, Dale. I moved in um, like a, on a Friday in December. And it was a Jay's moving truck, had all my stuff. And literally, like, we dumped everything, the movers and I, we dumped everything in Jen's house. And then that night, I caught a plane to Toronto because I was filling in for Scott Regeer on national sports for CBC for three weeks. So poor Jen, she comes home and she's done school, like, for the holidays. And all of my, like, all of my stuff is in the house and I'm gone in Toronto. So <laughs> I was like, hi, Jen. Like, I just, here's all my stuff and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Um so she was, yeah, but, um, Why and did, then see, yeah. what did you have to go and cover? What were you working on? Um, so it, yeah, so it was, um, so every day it's, it's, the, it was the most insane job. Um, mm. every day Scott Regeer does. So if for listeners out there, you might hear Scott Regeer do a, a daily sports hit with CBC radio in Regina once it used to be twice or three times before the pandemic, but at that time it was two hits with Regina and two with Saskatoon but Scott would also do hits with Toronto the morning show in Toronto the morning show in Edmonton and the morning show in Vancouver so when I worked there for those three weeks I would get up at three in the morning I would have to be at work at four and then between 5 30 and 11 30 in the morning Toronto time I would do 37 hits 37 different hits with five different markets um and so I was in a little studio and then for the Toronto hits, I would go into the, the, the big Toronto studio where at the time Matt Galloway was, was hosting and then it was Christmas holiday. So then David Common was the host. Hmm. Um, but it was like at the end of three weeks, Dale, I was such a zombie. Um, yeah. And I don't know how Scott's done it all those years. Um, I think to work morning radio is pretty crazy, but so it was, I was basically recapping the, the big sports stories at, at the time. Um, World Junior Hockey Championships were happening at the time in Toronto. Um, yeah. Connor McDavid was on the team. So I got to do that. Um, took in a couple Raptors games, which was fun. But honestly, like I was going to bed at eight o'clock and then, cause you got to get up at three. So it was, it was a bit silly, but um, after that was done, came back and CBC Saskatoon kept me, um, kept me on. Um, I was a casual there and did lots of different jobs. And then I, about middle of 2016, the, it was becoming clear. There was some cutbacks at CBC and I really wanted a full-time job with the morning show here in Saskatoon. And because of cutbacks, some of the TV producers had slided into roles um, on the radio side of things. And they had lots of seniority and they were also amazing journalists too. So I, I could see that I wasn't going I would have to wait a long, long time to get sort of my dream job. 
And I had no work-life balance at all at that point either. And so I just started looking for jobs, just really, you know, just seeing what was out there. And this job for a communications leader at Sherbrooke Community Center came up and I'd done a couple of stories on Sherbrooke and how um, I knew how great a long-term care setting it was. And so again, I just applied on a whim thinking, we'll see what happens and was lucky enough to get an interview and then got a second interview. And I remember telling Sue Ellen Beattie, my boss, that, you know, if you're looking for someone who has a lot of, you know, specific, you know, communication experience, I, I'm not that person, but if you're looking for someone who can tell Sherbrooke's story and put Sherbrooke on the map, then hmm. I'm your person. And, and she was, I'm very grateful for her that she, uh, that she said yes and hired me because it's, it's been an amazing place to work at. You know, that's an interesting perspective because in my opinion, and I could be wrong, I guess I haven't talked with too many people about it. So it's maybe just what I've made up. A lot of a uh, lot of journalists who go into communications jobs in the private sector or government, wherever I guess you know they do most a lot of them do do media relations or you know corporate communications, and it's you know from my perspective that they do it for the you know kind of crisis communications, you know the media relations and issues management. And not so much on the on the storytelling side of things. I could be yeah. wrong in that in that perspective, but yeah, no, I I think I think that's a really good point, and yeah. and, and that was just something, Dale, that I, I couldn't I couldn't really sell myself on because I I didn't have that background. Um, um, for the last year, I sort of wish I did with with the pandemic, where yeah. you know doing communications at a long term care home during a, uh, a global pandemic, I've had to um, yeah. learn on the fly in terms of, of crisis communication. And I'm what, what I really love about Sherbrooke is that like, you're never on an island at all. There's about, I'd say between 25 and 30 managers um, in our, in our care home. And we all work as one and it's, it's an incredible team. So I, at no point have I, have I ever felt like it's all on my shoulders, which is really great. But I, I do think you bring up a good point. Um, when I went to journalism school, communications was was a bad word. Um, it was like it, it was called like my professors would call it the dark side, and it's like you don't yeah. want to go to the dark side. And yeah. and I don't. I and I know I know the U of R is changing that now because um, my friend Mark Taylor is um, is one of the profs there, and he's been very open about the fact that like no, you're a lot of this like the skills that you learn at journalism school can easily. Be transferred to a, a communications job, whether it's w- with a crown corporation or a long-term care home or, you know, a non-profit like the, I don't know, YMCA or Nature Conservancy of Canada or Miwasan Valley Authority. Like it's, it's all about learning to tell a story and, and communicating that and, and connecting with, with people. So I've, I've tried to do that. Um, I think it helps when, um, you know, having, knowing what, knowing how to pitch stories to journalists, having that journalism background, um, yeah. I've, I've found that really useful. And I think, I think when a reporter would come to Sherbrooke, um, I think they appreciated the fact that, you know, I, I knew what they were looking for. So I made sure that, you know, there was two or three people that were ready to talk and, and were prepared. And if it's a TV story, here's some ideas for B-roll and all that kind of stuff. So right. I think that helps. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the other stuff in terms of like communication strategies, how to come up with a communication plan, that's, that's what I've, I've been learning sort of on the fly. Um, and then this past year with the pandemic, um, you know, the, the, what, what do, 
what does the public need to know in in our case at Sherbrooke what do our families need to know right in terms of what's happening in our in our care home um you know it was that's interesting I, I didn't I yeah. didn't think that I never thought of that 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 you would have been involved in those not necessarily the direct conversations maybe with the families but figuring out you know how how to actually just let them know about yeah because it's uh, I'm sure it's been a nightmare it's yeah it's it's been challenging and and so for you know when it comes to like the actual say for example Dale if you're if your grandparents were at Sherbrooke and your your parents or yourself wanted to know what you know how they were doing care wise you would have a conversation with either the nurse or our the the care manager like the neighborhood manager at at Sherbrooke um, where your loved one lived but if you wanted to know like to get daily updates in terms of what's happening at Sherbrooke, have there been any COVID cases at all? Um, that's been something I've been doing. So every day since March 13th, we've been doing daily Facebook posts and daily website updates about what life is like at Sherbrooke. And then it was on Boxing Day that you know I was I was playing air guitar to a Bruce Springsteen album in my basement on my turntable, and my boss called me and said we've had a, a resident test positive for COVID. So yeah. immediately stopped the turntable and and went into work. And there was about five or six of us, and you know we crafted a letter to send out to families and crafted something for the face for our Facebook page and for our website as well, getting that communication out. And and yeah, I, but again, drawing back on the skills you learn at, at journalism school and empathy is a really big one. I find in long-term care, putting yourself in the shoes of a family, what what do they want to know? Well, they want to know if their loved one is, is safe and healthy. And so communicating that and then communicating the steps we're taking to to keep staff and residents safe and stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been quite the learning experience these last nine, 10 months. Yeah. Have you, have you guys had many um, residents with cases of COVID? So we, we've just had the one resident that's tested positive. Yeah. So that, and, and, um, and, and no staff. Um, So we're, we're very, very fortunate. We, um, it's Sherbrooke's a really big place. Um, So my, my, Eric, my, my grandfather actually was a resident there. Um, that's right. I don't, yeah. I don't know for how long before he passed away, but yeah, that was, that was 10 years ago now, but he, he, so he, I'm, I'm very familiar with we're sure. Yeah. And my, I think my mom, I think maybe I told you this. Um, my mom, I think took our dog there when, when we were like younger as, as pet therapy. Oh, so that was oh, really, that's really yeah. nice. So yeah. Knew, yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. It's, well. it's, um, um, I, I was, I'm glad that you were able to see see it um, before the the pandemic. Um, you know, it, when yeah. people and not that we get many visitors nowadays, but the, on the odd case that we do get a a visitor, say someone within the health authority who's maybe never been to Sherbrooke before, it's it's hard to describe just how how busy and how eclectic and um, and just the 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 feel and culture of Sherbrooke um, right now because we've. It, it's just so quiet. Our halls are quiet. Our residents are restricted to their specific neighborhoods. Um, you know, if if you're if you're a resident and you have any sort of symptom at all, you're immediately isolated to your to your room until a COVID test is done. Like it, it just has such a, a different feel to it right now. But um, I'm excited for um, and grateful for vaccines that are coming, and I'm hoping this time next year things will be back and and humming again at Sherbrooke. Yeah. Have you guys had any 
had any vaccinations or or are staff gonna are they not staff staff a lot of your staff are probably vaccinated in the first kind of round but residents so they'll probably be next or soon yeah so yeah. yeah so we're 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 still waiting on some uh some direction in terms of of our staff. So our our mm. staff is is set to get it. They they we haven't received any um like our none of our staff have been vaccinated yet. And then I think the um every, you know the the powers that be are, are still trying to figure out how to get our residents um the the vaccine because obviously we don't have you know we we've got some cold fridges but we don't have the super cold fridges that you need for the right. for the Pfizer vaccine, yeah. But it's what what it has done, Dale. Though is is it's given it's given some light at the end of the tunnel for our residents and our staff, and and I think especially our residents too, because you know I I basically I I go to work, I come home, grocery store, um, maybe to a restaurant once in a while, but I I don't go out nearly as much as I used to, but I I can still go to the McDonald's drive-thru and pick up a quarter pounder. Our, our residents, especially right now, they, they, they physically can't leave their neighborhood or, or their floor. Yeah. So it's the, our residents are just exceptional. And I know they're not alone. Every single long-term care home resident in this province, in this country is going through the same thing. So yeah, the, the sooner that we can get the vaccines in, in people's arms, the better. Yeah. No kidding, man. Um, let's talk about the podcast. Okay. The, uh, I don't know if I asked you this before, but um, what were you working at Sherbrooke when you when you started your podcast? Yeah, so I um, my question about that just before yeah. you launch into that um, was there any concern either not from you obviously because you, you you were inspired to do it, but any concerns from your employer about you doing an external podcast? Because and I've and I've said this lots. One of the reasons that I left my job in government was I wanted to start a podcast and I knew that I wouldn't be able to do it working there. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. So it was, it was actually even, you know, when I, when I first started at Sherbrooke, um, I was, you know, I, I, I left CBC on, on very good terms and, uh, and I, I had the, I still had the skills to do freelance stories. And so um, hmm. I was, my, I, I received so much support from, um, you know, my, my boss and my leadership team about doing, still continuing to do freelance stories. Um, there was, there was one time where um, I would, the, there was a, a show in, a CBC show in Winnipeg called Not, CBC Now or Never, it's called. And they sent me an email about, hey, have you heard about this uh uh, Saskatoon Public School Division program called the iGEM program, where a class of grade six students spends a whole year at a long-term care home. And I was like, as a matter of fact, I do because it's it's at Sherbrooke that they spend they spend the year. So I was very familiar with with it. So they asked me if I if I could do a story on it. And so um, I went to my boss, Will, and I said, this I've been approached to to do this freelance story. But I'm I'm not comfortable doing it on Sherbrooke time, and I said, would it be okay if, if I took you know the morning off, but was still here to do the story? And she was completely fine with it. So, um, so yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I've I've just been very open and upfront about what I've wanted to do, and what I really love about Sherbrooke is that um, we as as staff are encouraged to to pursue our passions. And, and so there are lots of, lots of staff that do, you know, sort of things on the side, whether they're you know, exercise inst instructors that motion fitness, or they, 
they, you know, they do other things on the side. It's, it's passion projects. And, and this podcast is definitely a passion project. So um, I, I wanted to do something along these lines at CBC my last year here, because at CBC, because I found that we were, we were often going back to the same people again and again. And that was simply because we just, we didn't have the time to go out and, and research, like kind of sort of dig deeper in terms of, of finding different voices and stuff, because we were so short staffed. And when you're trying to produce um, morning radio, live morning radio, it's like, if you have a bird in the hand, you take it. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to book so-and-so because I know he or she is a great guest if they're a good guest. Um, But I just felt like there was a whole other layer of people in Saskatoon that were doing really awesome things, but just weren't getting the recognition. And it wasn't just the CBC newsroom, like every single newsroom is, is understaffed and reporters are expected to do so much and they do incredible work and such important work. Um, But they're so busy. And I found at Sherbrooke, you know, when I was done my, my job at 4.30 or five o'clock, I could leave work at work. And I've never, I've never experienced that before, Dale, because I, it, that sure wasn't the case at CBC. And it sure as heck wasn't the case when I was a teacher. Yeah. So I had this time now and I was like, I should just, I should do this. Like the only thing that's stopping me from doing this is, is my own, I don't know, like just my worries about it. Yeah, just me. So I should just like buck up and do it. And so, yeah, so um, Sherbrooke was really supportive of it. And, um, and I, and the, the episode that's had the most downloads in the podcast history was the one I did uh, last April that was based in Sherbrooke. It was right when the pandemic started and I didn't know, I wasn't comfortable going anywhere else in the city. And then I realized, oh my gosh, there's so many amazing people at Sherbrooke stepping up. I should just do the episode on how Sherbrooke has adapted to how life has changed. And it, it really resonated with people for whatever reason. What do you think that reason is? Just, just the, the timing of it and yeah, I think, and, I think and the, the location of, of the people you were talking to. Yeah, I think the timing for sure. Um, it dropped in, in April. And so in places like, you know, Ontario and Quebec had NBC had these, you know, they were having challenges in long-term care settings. Um, mm-hmm. So long-term care was, you know, leading newscasts. And so, um, oh gosh, here's a podcast about how a care home is adapting um, to the changes. Um, I think, I think that appealed to people. I think there, there was so much variety too, in that episode. Like I, you know, I had incredible access because I worked yeah. there. So I was able to speak with residents and speak with everyone from our, our, our leader of, of, uh, of nursing practice, Deb Schick to our, um, you know, our, what, um, physiotherapy, um, to, uh, nurses, to residents, to, oh gosh, I'm missing lots of people or our, uh, leader of, of food services. Cause like, you know, we had to, we had to change how we were, you know, um, feed, you know, distributing our meals to residents, our cafeteria changed, like so many things changed Dale. And so, um, yeah, so it was just, it, it took, I, I gathered tape for about probably three or four days and then it was, it took a long time to edit it. And I, yeah. I used as much natural sound as I could and tried to keep my voice out of it as much as I could and, and just let Sherbrooke tell the story. So that worked out well. Yeah. What do you use to you use a, like a weird program to, uh, to do the editing for your podcast? It's I do. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what is the name of it? Uh, it's called Hindenburg. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And it was, it was this is a very geeky thing we'll be talking about here yes. for people listening. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> but if 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 you're a podcaster out there, like I um I knew how to gather sound and I knew how to you know conduct an interview. Um, but at CBC we used an editing system called Dalit, and it was incredibly user friendly and it was geared um, so that you could edit really quickly because oftentimes you're under a time crunch in yeah. a newsroom. Um, but I wanted something out that, you know, I was, wouldn't be under a time crunch. I, I drop one episode every month. So it's, it's not a huge time crunch that way. And uh, a former CBC colleague of mine who was a national producer named Sean Perpick um, said, I use Hindenburg for, for my freelance and you might like it. And, and, and yeah, it was very similar to it. And what I really love about it is that um, it allows you to condense your files in many different formats, whether it's a WAV format or an MP3 format it does all that for you. So it's like, it's, it's so, I find it very easy to use. Um, and it comes, you know, it, it's automatically updated. It comes with all these YouTube tutorials for all the keyboard shortcuts and all that kind of jazz. So right. yeah, that that's, that's what I use. And it, it's, it's worked well, it's worked well so far. It costs like 500 bucks, but yeah. I, I think it was worth it. Uh, how has your podcast changed or maybe how have you changed as a podcaster since you since you started it, I I tried to be very serious, Dale, in the first like three or four episodes, right. because I because in my mind it was like, you know, I've I've been I've been out of the game for a little bit, and I've been doing freelance pieces, but I wanted to be like, you know, I'm telling these these important Saskatoon stories, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah. you know my my posture right now. I'm trying like I and I was actually yeah. going into the CBC studio. They were kind enough to let me record my voice in the studio, and because I wanted it to sound just perfect, and I wanted right. I wanted people to take me super seriously, and then but none of my personality was coming through, and it was um, my old colleague Kareen Larson. Um, who said you should try just recording your voice while you're out on like uh, out on location because you have you the energy that you normally bring and the energy that's in the interview um, is not there in the studio and that's hard like my heart goes out to the all the radio hosts who are like broadcasting from their basements or their kitchens like it's it's hard to bring that energy each each and every day um, and so I so that's what I do now so i I do the interview out on location um, and then I'll go back and I'll edit the interview. I'll type a script and then I'll go back to either that same location or something similar or something that has a little bit of significance to, to the podcast guest or the story that I'm trying to tell and I'll voice it there. So like, I remember the first time I interviewed um, chef Scotty Dix, um, he was, he was kind of freelancing at the time and teaching classes and doing some catering and consulting. Yeah. And so, um, I went to, um, uh, one of my favorite restaurants in Saskatoon is a restaurant called hearth and it's just beautiful food. And I, I, it was just around the block from our old house. And so my wife and I went there a lot and, uh, we got to know Beth and Thay and the owners. And I just asked Beth, can I just record my voice in your kitchen while you're like serving food? And she was like, okay. Um, and so that's what I did. So I have my script and I was reading my script and, and I'd say this, this, and this, and then, it, you know, that's when I would throw it to the tape and then come back. And meanwhile, you, like you get this energy while you're doing it, that, that I wasn't able to replicate, um, in a, in a CBC studio that sounded just perfect, but I had no energy at all. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that's changed is allowing, feeling comfortable to be more myself um, but, but I also don't, I don't want the podcast to be 
about me because it's not it's about the people that I'm I'm interviewing and I know sometimes people are like oh I would I've had a, I've had a few people say I wish you would talk more about yourself in the podcast and I'm just I I try and sprinkle a little bit here or there but I I I'm just not comfortable doing that it, it's not what this podcast is is about um it's about yeah. the, the people in Saskatoon that are making a difference but are flying under the radar so um the focus should be on them has the have have the types of people changed a little bit? Like I I and may, maybe I'm wrong on this. And you have uh, Chef Scotty coming up again. But the last few episodes have maybe been more people that are maybe a bit more like in the in the social world. I guess if if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I wanted. I I think in the near the end of the first season, I felt more comfortable with sort of tapping into um, a little bit of what, you know, what, what was sort of, what was sort of happening in the world at that, you know, in terms of maybe local news uh, or some, maybe some issues that were important to Saskatoon and maybe tapping into that a bit more. Um, And actually, to be honest, Dale, like COVID has helped with that because um, doing that episode at Sherbrooke, um, you know, the long-term care was obviously in the news. And then that really gave me confidence to look at what was happening in Saskatoon. What, what were some of the bigger issues? And the next episode I did was uh, with a, a housing advocate named Chris Randall because right. like, affordable housing was really prominent and, and still is, and it is an important issue. And then the next one was with a woman in Candace Gabriel um, talk, who runs a, um, a, a food program in the summertime for, for kids who have a hard time having, you know, finding a, three square meals a day. And then in the summertime too, with, with all the social uprising that was happening in Black Lives Matter and, yeah. um, you know, um, it, it just, it just, I, I wanted to explore that um, a, a bit more, um, you know, just to, I, I felt comfortable like, and, and I felt like I sort of built an audience that they would trust me to do these more uh, types of interviews. So like speaking with uh, Natalia Mason, who works for Saskatoon Sexual Health, who was a um, really important voice in the Black Lives Matter movement here in Saskatoon, or going out to Wanuskewin and talking about the the cultural significance of, you know, of Indigenous culture here in Saskatoon with two just amazing women. And then obviously the vaccine and veto intervax been in the news, but I wanted, you know, instead of talking to the CEO who has, who's a really interesting guy and but he's done lots of interviews. Let's let's speak to a couple members who are who are part of the team who are working in the lab each and every day that might not make the front page of the newspaper, but are still doing all that important work. So, yeah, like and and even though I did one in December with a, a theater artist, but um, Julissa Campos is her name. But she she's really um, big and and has done a lot of work in terms of bringing more diversity to Saskatoon stages because that was another thing that was brought up this past summer with the sort of um, controversy surrounding Persephone theater and is Persephone theater, you know, uh, creating more opportunities for diverse voices and, and right. Julissa's yeah, this, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. She's this 26 year old woman who came here from Ecuador when she was 18 and, and realized, gosh, there's not a lot of people that look like me on Saskatoon stages that should change. And, and so, yeah, it's, so it's, it's fun to do that. And then this upcoming one was, with Scotty um, we're, we're going to talk about the challenges that come with trying to run a, a restaurant and a business in the midst of a pandemic. So yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm, 
uh, I, I, and I just selfishly too, I'm, I'm become, I'm a lot more interested, I think, in those types of, of social issues and, and just, there's so many amazing people that are doing such important work on those issues, Dale, that, that aren't doing it for the, you know, for the kudos or the glamour, they're doing it because it's really important work. And I think yeah. that's worth celebrating. Yeah. Well, well, and you talked with uh, Jason Mercury as well from, from Prairie Harm, right? Yeah, yeah. So um was lucky enough to do a, a couple of those. So um Jason appeared in an episode where um the main guest was uh, a woman named Julia Holiday Scott. And right. uh yeah. and but to you know it, it's nice to include other voices I find in an episode and and to have Jason's voice in it um to you know at the time it was eight Saskatoon and now Prairie Harm Reduction. Like talk about important work um that they're okay. that they're doing as as well. And again, something 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 in the news, but I don't want I, I've never felt comfortable like just, you know, regurgitating something that's already been done, like whether it's been done on CBC or, or Star Phoenix, like if that, if it's been done already, then why, why do it? But if you can approach a story from a different angle and hear a different voice, then I think, I think that's something that I think, I think that listeners appreciate and, and will, will hopefully enjoy. Yeah. Have you had, um, have you had PR people reach out to you or, or people, like, I guess individuals reach out to you and say, Hey, um, I'm, I'm trying to do this, that, or I have a thing that I'm promoting. You, you will you come talk to me about it and, and be somebody on your, on your podcast. And if they have, how do you sift things out? And I probably <laughs> say no to yes. those people. Yeah. Um, so I, I get a lot of musicians that reach out to me and, <laughs> and I know I know their hearts in the right place. And so I, 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 I just try and be polite and say, you know what, the, thank you for reaching out to me. Um, th- this podcast, it, I, I try to explain to them what the podcast is about. And so that's why I say, you know, maybe not a good fit, but what I always do is um, I always for, I always forward them to, to um, a CBC reporter yeah. and say, you know what, th- you might be a good fit on the afternoon show or something. Here's an email to try and contact um, cause I still have those contacts there. Um, but, but I do appreciate, um, because there, there's been a few times like where, where, um, organizations have reached out, um, and it, and it's, it's worked out great. Like, I, I, I don't know if I'll have time to do it this year, but, or this season, but at some point, um, like, um, what, one of the, the team members at Reed Saskatoon reached out and said, Hey, I, I like the podcast. Would you be interested in working with us for something? And, I was like, yeah, I think Reed Saskatoon does incredible work. And so um, I, I really, I really enjoy that. And, and I've met some really great people. I think it's a, I think it's a win-win for both, Um, you know, the organization to, you know, hopefully to tell their story a bit. And then for myself, it's like, oh, that's, you know, I, maybe I hadn't thought of this organization before and, and yeah, but um, for for the most part, it's it's usually just musicians that are, hey, I, I've got a new single out or I've got a new album out. Mm. Um, would you be interested in? And so I, I usually I, I say no, but um thanks for your interest and here's someone who might be interested, you know. It's interesting that it's that it's musicians all doing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't I yeah, I don't I don't know why. I think it's you know I guess they listen to podcasts as well yeah. as their music. Yeah, yes, apparently, yeah. Apparently so. It involves headphones for both, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I had more insight for you on that. I, I don't know yeah. why. I don't know. Um, what can we do to, to grow podcasting more here in Saskatchewan? I, cause 
some days I like just from my own perspective, I some days I feel like I'm like things are really, you know, cooking. There people are growing, more people are listening to, to our podcasts and podcasts in general. And then other days I feel like like I'm banging my head against the wall that, you know, how come more people aren't wanting to sponsor podcasts like yours and mine or the podcast network or you know, like all these other great podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think we can do to either notice podcasts more and obviously get more listens and just grow the community? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, that's a really good question. And if I, I, I would, I would love to learn more about this too. Um, I do find the, the marketing side of it really, really interesting. Um, and, and I'm, I'm the same way with you, Dale. There are some days where I feel like I'm, I'm hitting it on all cylinders and, and stuff. And then there are other times where I, I think an episode is going to get a lot of listens yeah. and it gets, it gets, it gets good listens, but I, th I thought it would do more. And then sometimes I'm surprised. I'm like, Oh gosh, I never thought people would connect with it that way. I think a yeah. lot of it, at least for my scale anyways, cause it, in no way am I like a, a, a big podcast. Like I average between maybe seven, 800 downloads, uh, an episode. Um, and then the bigger, uh, yeah, it's not bad. Like it's, it's, it's geared for, you know, it's a, a specific Saskatoon market and, yeah. and it's, um, and I, and I'm not doing it for like, it's in many ways, it's very selfish what I'm doing because I, I just, I miss doing interviews and I, I love doing it. And I, and I hope I've made that clear throughout this interview tonight. Like I really love doing this. So, yeah. um, at the end of the day, if, if it gets like, you know, 200 listens, whatever, but, um, I, I do find that side fascinating. I think a lot of it, has to do with just a lot of people don't still don't know what a what a podcast is and and how to access it and I can't right. tell you how many times I have physically grabbed a person's phone yeah and hit the podcast icon and subscribe to YXC Underground for them and and this past summer I I had this idea and I didn't go through with it at all because it's a ridiculous idea but I thought like um, you know, you see these politicians going around knocking door to door, like, should I be going door to door and saying like, Hey, I've got a podcast, <laughs> yeah. give me your phone and I'll subscribe to you. Like, I feel, I feel like that there's so much of it is, is still, there's so That's much room for growth and, and word of mouth. But I, and like, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm not just trying to pump your tires here. I, I, I am sincerely thankful for what you are doing with the podcast network, because I had no idea there was such a big and diverse community of podcasters within Saskatchewan. So I Neither think what I. you're, yeah. And I think what you're doing, and I know like the couple of times, like CBC's done the podcast meetups. I think that's been yeah. great as well. Um, I, I think as more podcasts, um, it just seems like sometimes Saskatchewan, we're just, you know, five or 10 years behind on, on things. And I think, I think we'll, I think more people will, will definitely catch up. And I, and I don't want to say like, it's, Oh, it's um, the younger people in in Saskatchewan know about it, but older people don't. Because I, I don't think that's the case at all. I know lots of people in their fifties and sixties that listen to podcasts, you know, like nonstop. Whereas, you know, I'm sure there's people in their twenties that wouldn't have a lick in terms of how to subscribe to a podcast or even or even what it is. Um, but I I do think that, you know, um, listening to audio, whether it's it's live radio or whether it's you know uh, podcast or you, you see this a lot with CBC now, like they'll, they'll clip the, the two best, what, you know, best or maybe most interesting interviews of a, of a morning show or afternoon show. And they'll 
make those available on the CBC Listen app or whatever. Um, what I love about podcasts, and I and I think it's a sign of how busy times is, is that you can listen to it whenever you want and you can stop and start it. Um, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been late for things because I've been in the car because I wanted to hear the end of an interview because I knew if I missed it, I wouldn't hear ever hear it again. Yeah. Um, but with a podcast, I can I can listen to it whenever. So I I think I think we have to do. I think as podcasters, we've got to do a better job of like just really being clear with people. Here is here's what a podcast is. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different topics. And then here, here is how you subscribe. And I I really want to like it's a I guess a goal of mine in the next couple of years to really and I don't know how to yet, Dale. And I I might even I I think I'll reach out to like a marketing company or someone like that. Like how do I get more people? It's great if you listen to an episode or two, but I, w- I want you to subscribe. I want, yeah. a, you know, when an episode comes out once a month, I want it on your phone. Damn it. So, yeah. so like, I, yeah, I just got to figure that out. Well, you gave me a good tip and you, and you talk about, uh, you know, t- taking people's phones and, and hitting subscribe. You gave me a great tip because you always write in the in the copy on your social media post. You always write, uh, listen and subscribe for free. Yes, on and, and, Spotify or wherever, and and and, and, yeah. and I make a point of doing that now when I with my podcast when I put up social media posts because and I think you were right by saying this. You said I think some people think that you have to pay for them. Yes. And some platforms you do, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 98% of podcasts are, are free. Yes. Like, yeah. Dale, you and I are not in this to make money at all. We're doing this because we, we love to do it. And that comes directly from my mom, who in the first season, she was like, so Eric, like how, how much are people paying you when they listen to it? <laughs> and yeah. I, just, yeah. I, yeah. I was like, oh, mom, no, it's not like that. Like, I think she thought it was like a magazine subscription where you subscribe and you pay your, you know, your 50 or hundred bucks for the year. And then once a month, your magazine comes to your house and it's like, no, you, you subscribe in terms of like, it comes to your, your device yeah. whenever a new episode comes, but it's, it's free. And, um, and, and my mom was not alone in that. Like, I, I'm pretty sure my dad thought that. And I know uh, speaking with, you know, friends and colleagues, like they, they didn't realize that too. So um, yeah, I, I do emphasize that subscribe for free. Like you, yeah. you do not have to pay to listen to uh, an interview between Dale and Lisa Tomitis. And you don't have to listen. You don't have to pay to hear Eric getting kitchen sounds yeah. with Chef Scotty. Like it's for free. I just want you to subscribe so that it, it, you know, I'm ensuring that you hear it, you know, when it, when a new episode comes out. I think my dad said to me, uh, where do I watch your podcast? <laughs> so what did you uh, say? I, I, I don't think I said anything. <laughs> I just, I said, mom, can you help him out? Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's true. Um, but it, it's funny though, too. Cause like now, like you're, you're seeing some podcasts being adapted to, to television shows now and yeah, stuff like that. So, yeah. so I feel like, and, and you do, Dale, you do a really strong job of on your social media channels, pointing out how the industry is, is growing so quickly. And, yeah. and this isn't a small industry anymore. They, no. like billions of dollars are, you know, big companies are 
find big companies to make even bigger companies for podcasting because yeah. they see they see that this is the the way to go and um, and so I I hope that you know more I I, I just think it, it will happen it in Saskatchewan I think it just like everything here it just takes maybe we're a couple years behind other places but I, I I think it will happen but I that is something that I try to emphasize that you can subscribe for free it's not going to cost you anything yeah no I think you're right. Um, we, we could talk for hours. We, we've probably gone on too long here, to be honest, but, um, yeah, we could, we could talk forever about podcasting before we go. I, I just wanted to, to say how, how sorry I was to hear about Fred, your Aww. dog. Thank and, you. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think I'd said anything to you about it yet, no, but, no. um, as a, a okay. as a kind of newer dog owner, we we've had our guy just about a year. Uh, what's today? The sixth. Yeah. A year tomorrow we got him. So I I I I felt for you when you when you, your little you dog. Have, you have a really lovely dog, by the way. What is his name again? <laughs> Walter. Walter. Wonderful yeah. name. Yeah. Um th- thank you for that. Um Fred, Fred was he was he was my best friend. He was incredible. And when I um so he was my wife's dog. And then when I started dating Jen, um, he was very protective of her. And I I worked really hard to, to win him over. And I, I grown up with dogs. Our family had a beagle named Molly. And then uh, we had a beagle named Maddie. And when we had to put down Maddie, I think in 2010, we were all just devastated. And, and, and not, none of us, you know, my parents didn't get another dog. We were just like, we can't, it was just so hard. And then all of a sudden Fred comes into my life through Jennifer and he was the most unique dog and had such an amazing um, personality. And then he, um, I would, I would share our adventures out in Saskatoon, especially out of Cranberry Flats um, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And so he, he had a lot of fans and, and when it, it was really quick, how he died, he, Fred had been battling health issues for the last couple of years and had some anxiety issues, but um, you know, he had a really wonderful summer and then he had a, a tumor that ruptured on his spleen just, just oh. one night. And we live close to the university. And so like one in the morning, I drove so flipping fast to the university. We got him to the vet college and then they called an hour later and said, you know, this had happened and it'd be best to put him down. So we, we rushed back and we were there with him in the end. And and the vet college was, was amazing. And our, our vets were awesome too, but um, I've never been so sad in my life, Dale. And, and I, I, I don't have any more grandparents uh, and I lost an uncle from cancer that I was close with, but I've never experienced a sadness like that before. And, and our Jen and I, our lives really revolved around him, especially I'd say the last three years really revolved around him, ensuring that his life was the best quality of life that could be. And, um, and then all of a sudden he was gone and, and we didn't know what to do. And like, he was literally my reason to get out of bed. Cause at seven, he was like, let's go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I struggled, but, um, it was, you know, when we sort of went public with the, with Fred's passing, the response was really great. And, and, and we're working with me Watson now on, on, uh, on a memorial for him out of Cranberry flats. And right. we were able to raise $1,300 all through like twitter and instagram and like people had so many people had never met fred and they donated in his name it was really incredible i I think it was you know there's lots of bad things about social media we can go on about that but um this was this was a really great thing so i um 
I I envy where you are in your relationship with your with your puppy dog Dale because you you're you're forming that bond right now and you're gonna have so many amazing years and I know when when Jen and I feel ready like we'll we'll get another dog but um it's yeah. gonna be a while because he yeah I miss him every day and and but it's it's fun to see it it, it is fun to see when you know they they bring so much joy to your lives don't they yeah. Now the amount of time that I, uh, I, I think too much about when he's not going to be here and it's, it's very tough for me and I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't think about that, but yeah, no, you're right. I, uh, they're the, they're the best friends and my family had three dogs growing up. So, you know, I, I, um, but they're, uh, yeah. Now having my own, it's something I've always wanted. And yeah, we, we love him so much and yeah. His hair is getting too long. He's he's getting groomed next week, but yeah, no, it's um. Anyway, yeah, I hope you guys get another one soon when you're yeah when you're yeah. when you're up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be it'll be good. Um, yeah, I think when we're ready, when we're ready, we will. But yeah, but, but for now, I will live vicariously through you Please and Walter. Do. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And maybe maybe you can meet him sometime soon. I would love that. Yeah, that would be when, great. Once this ridiculous pandemic. And <laughs> once it's done, it'll be good times. Yeah. Thank you for, for, um, for reaching out Dale. And, and Thank you. Um, it was, it, you know, it was, it was lots of fun doing this round one and, and, and I think round two was even better. So thank you. Yeah. Well, no. And uh, thank, thank you for, uh, for dealing with my technical problems and, uh, and, and, and of course, thank you for the, for the podcasting work that, that you do in the province. Yours, you. maybe we talked about this the first time yours kind of, I don't know. I think we launched our podcast right around the same time. And, and I, I think I, mm. I think I, I observed that with their similar podcasts in many ways, but just kind of, you, you know, delivered differently. So yeah. thank, thank you yeah. for the work that, uh, that you do with yours and it, it, it keeps welcome. me going and doing mine. Oh. So. Well, you're welcome. Let's stay and, in and this like together, said, you know, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And thanks for all the work that you do, you know, with bringing so many podcasters together like i said with the 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 podcast network is is such a it's it's a wonderful thing but i also know it, it's a lot of work for you too so um i know i'm not the only podcaster in the province that appreciates it so thank you thank you all right Th- take care and uh good luck with your with your day job with with covid yeah. and hopefully that all ends and all, all the best to uh your your colleagues and and the residents at, at sherbrooke awesome thank you dale have a good night okay. thanks eric bye bye That's it for this episode with Eric Anderson. If you'd like to listen to the YXE Underground podcast, you can listen and subscribe for free on any major podcasting app like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. You can also follow YXE Underground on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit yxeunderground.com. If you'd like to listen to other great Saskatchewan podcasts, please check out the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is the home of over 30 original Saskatchewan podcasts. Visit saskpodcastnetwork.com to learn more or follow the podcast network on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to to subscribe to the Talking 306 podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And please give a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks to Path Cowork for sponsoring the Talking 306 podcast. And thanks to Sask Energy 
and the Saskatchewan Ministry of Highways for supporting this the Saskatchewan Podcast Network this month. That's all for this episode. See you next time.